You mean to introduce Garage Logic Podcast number 42? Perfect start. November 9th, 2018, 12 degrees on this day in 1945 and 70 degrees in 1999. Uh, I'd get to Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Store if I were you. Uh, you got to get a shovel at least because uh, we're looking at some bad weather. And some scrapers. Some, they got uh, everything. Sand, Love, scrapers, salt. sand, salt. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Stores brings you this podcast. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to practice space management. No, you have to. No, I'm not. I, I know this what? is a violation of, of garage logic uh, behavior, but I'm, I'm I'm not going to. This is the first one, and it's although it's not a lot. Space but management enough. is the requirement of garage logicians to uh, get edge to edge during snowfalls. Otherwise, that snow creeps up on you over the season, and you're left with a rutted goat trail if you don't take care of it. <laughs> But I'm not doing it. Okay, you you I'm not. You, you foresee a couple of forty degree days that well, are going to. I'm this. hearing maybe fifty next Friday and Saturday. Boy, I need to because the backyard is. We got the front yard leaves. The backyard leaves. Uh, they're a mess. This is usually the attitude you take around March. I know. I I, I know, <laughs> and I don't. Uh, I, I'm terribly guilty of violating Garage Logic protocol. Wow. But I predict. Well, what I'm betting on what is that it's on? going away. Mm-hmm. That Halloween blizzard in 1991, that went away. She melted. Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's hope Or that, hell, before Thanksgiving. Yeah, let's hope that that happens. I don't want a crunchy white yard yet. You I'll know? never forget that I was driving down Grand Avenue in the days after the Halloween blizzard, and it had become a rutted goat track. Yeah. And somehow I got up on the rails of the, of the two, the goat track, and yeah. I went down Grand Avenue sideways. <laughs> And I couldn't hit the brakes or turn or anything right. because I was, I was, uh, I might as well have been on a hoist, sliding <laughs> sideways down the street what, forever. What type of vehicle were you in? Uh, what was I driving then? Did you have the green, uh, the Chevy? Uh, what was? No, that it was a Ford sedan. Oh, the show. Yeah, I think it was a show. The green one or the red one? Super high output. I remember you tested me one time. Yeah. You had a red show, and then I think you had a green I show. I think it was a green one. Mm-hmm. Joe, while driving to work in Redmond, Washington this morning, meaning yesterday, and listening to Tuesday's show, I was disheartened to hear you go euphorian with the idea that Election Day should be a national holiday. Oh, boy, did you get hammered on this one. What an elitist attitude it requires for many of those on the left who suggested, assuming that because they, with their regular Monday to Friday 9 to 5 office hours, would get it off, surely everyone else would as well. Apparently, none of you or them have thought about who will still work on a national holiday. I don't just mean police and firemen, hospital workers, etc. Not eating much fast food, you are probably unaware that your average McDonald's is still open. On New Year's Day, your local grocery store is probably still open on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Buses are still driving on President's Day. Come Memorial Day, I bet many are happy that there is someone working at the gas station. The list goes on. The same issue exists if Election Day were to be held on the weekend. Uh, As a similar elitist once said, let them eat cake. Mm. This, uh, This being argued 
against by a Monday through Friday office worker who in his youth worked many odd hours, including national holidays, but always still managed to find, t- find time to go to the polls. Good luck, Brendan, a longtime podcast listener going back over a decade, and he's in Sammamish, Washington. Sammamish, Washington. I knew I was undertaking a euphorian risk with that, but you recall what my trade-off was. Uh, yes. Uh, trade-off. I'd only go the, for a national holiday if, if all early yes. voting was eliminated. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That's the only reason I would go for it. Okay. I understand, and I accept Brendan's admonition. I understand. He didn't it's hold a, back, did he? It's very. It is very euphorian, and and it won't. I don't think it should happen. Mm-hmm. I just was using it as a wedge to say I'm opposed to all of this early voting. You know what I love about the new format we're doing here as a podcast? Hmm. It allows the listener now to not give kind of a, an emotional instant reaction. Via email or phone call, whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. we get. I mean, you got peppered on this one, on the euphoria idea to to make. I didn't see any. E- this is the only email I saw. Well, I only sent you the ones that were somewhat. Oh, send me everything. Send I like that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, it, we get such great, more thought out, drawn out um, uh, emails from the listeners. It's fantastic. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think emails have replaced telephone calls. I agree. Uh, yes, and some are becoming very wise. Well, although it does not work today, uh, David from Poland wants to, to call in between noon and 1.30, knowing that that's usually when we record the not podcast. Not today, though, is it, boys? No, no. Told me yesterday, be here early. Reavers, you got to go to a wedding? Yeah, I have a wedding. In, Where? In Faribault, Minnesota. What time do you have to be there? Uh, 4 o'clock, so I should leave now. It's now 20 minutes to 11 on uh, Friday, November 9th. Uh, and yesterday I was informed by morons number one and two, be here at 10 a.m. tomorrow, meaning today, because we got a podcast early because I have to go to a wedding. I heard 11. Well, I heard 10. So like a moron, I'm here at 8.30. Yeah. I'm preparing. I even sent the text saying, we on for 11? You said, I'm here already. Yeah, well, that was my way of saying I'm not even counting on you to be here. Oh. Yeah. And then Reavers couldn't get here. It, it is snow. amazing talking about the weather. The first... Snowfall we get, we we literally forget how to drive in it. In, in this. I don't. Well, ne- none of us do. Well, then who is it? We always say this. Wow. Who is it who forgets well, how to last drive? Last night I left here at the, after the beer show at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. I didn't get home until almost a quarter to nine. Well, again, well, it, I'm going to break out the world's smallest violin. Right. <laughs> I, I have no sympathy for somebody who lives fifty miles from where they work. Five minutes from Screamtown, which I did go to this year. Mm-hmm. Screamtown was, was great. Yeah, I know it's done and over with, but that is a wonderful operation. No, I I, I understand that uh, there are those of you who have this uh, need to live in uh, outer suburbia, which is fine with me. How are those property taxes in Ramsey doing? Not doing real well. <laughs> but I, I taking that trip. From the Invergrove Heights, South St. Paul area. I can't believe that is where you live. I know. I can't believe it, Joe. It's unbelievably well, far it, well, away. Reavers, what you should know by now is that you are going to encounter yep. exactly what you encountered. I, for me, yes. It Was it an inconvenience these, this last 24 hours? Yes. I will willingly take the trade-off, though, every single day. And I will just complain to you guys um, when I get to work. You I mean, this completely screws up my lunch. Uh-oh. I don't yeah, know what, what are to you do doing today? You're I, 20 I, minutes into lunch already. And then, and, then, and then when I realized you weren't going to be here, I, I panicked. Yep. And, and at 10 o'clock, I went down to the cafeteria. See, that, it's, you and don't. now only to be told, I'm sorry, 
we're closed between 10 and 11 for the transfer to lunch. So I grabbed a banana, ah, paid 56 cents for a banana. You did. To hold me over. Exact change? Did you give him exact change? No, I did not. I only gave him a dollar bill. I so only had a cup of coffee. Because today. Rook and I, we are veterans of the cafeteria downstairs. I'm, I'm well aware of that. You're we, virtually, uh, you virtually have a luncheon club. We're their right. best customers, mm-hmm. Rook and I are. So yeah. we know the schedule. Well, I, don't, I didn't know the schedule. <laughs> no, you're a rookie. Who told you, Tom, Shelley, or Brian to beat it and... <laughs> Come back after 11? I, I have a couple of guys in chef coats. Yeah, I, I that was uh, Brian and Tommy. Yeah. Uh, Billy Stein writes, as far, as far as long time no see goes, I have been blessed to have some experiences dealing with the local folks in foreign countries. Generally, it has been my experience that the local people tend to make a greater attempt to speak English with us than we do with them. Mm-hmm. Thus, I think long time no see originally came from either an American Indian or an Oriental person reaching out to communicate a greeting. So in other words, we didn't. We didn't do it. It wasn't us. Years ago, we were sitting on a roadside in Haiti having a beer at the end of a long day. The town we were working in was unusual in that they had some intermittent electricity from a hydroelectric plant. My buddy Bob spotted a Haitian family coming down the street with a long bare wire cable, hoping to tap into the single power line running down the main road. Bob went into a panic, realizing that they had a good chance of either electrocuting themselves or setting their shack on fire. Not knowing how to speak Haitian Creole, Bob ran after them crying, he's not good, he's not good. <laughs> the Haitians found this hilarious as the correct Creole was Sapaban. It's funny how when we don't know the language, we think speaking in an accent will be understood. I do it all the time. <laughs> do you know what I mean, man? I think so. Are yeah. the, we are ready to order now, man. That's why when I go to a Mexican restaurant, I will use an accent. Drives my family crazy. Well, I think it's. I think you're being. Uh, I think you're being racist and culturally appropriate. No, I'm not. I'm saying. Uh, right, I think you're being a smart ass. Like to have like some nachos or something, man. But that isn't. Or the a way. French restaurant. Could I please have the uh, yogurt? <laughs> and then they, you know, something like that. I, well, I would, don't even know. What you to know do what? It would drive me crazy too if you did that. Yeah, or I always make sure I use chopsticks at a Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. Drives your family crazy. Because you're not, you're not coordinated enough to do it? Is no, that... I pretend I know what I'm doing, hey, but, I'm, but sit, I'm really not. Sit back. I, I got, got this. this. Watch the master. Okay, kids? <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's address some major anniversaries here in just a moment. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Thousands of people gathered in downtown Minneapolis and St. Paul on this, well, not on this day, uh, on November 11th, 2018, uh, to commemorate or celebrate the end of World War I, Armistice Day. Got it. Uh, <clears throat> in addition to the war in Europe, which the U.S. had entered in April of the previous year, Minnesota had been hard hit by the worldwide outbreak of Spanish flu, which peaked in the state just days earlier. Okay. At the time of the armistice, closure orders remained in place in both Minneapolis and St. Paul, shutting down schools, churches, movie houses, dance halls, pool and billiard halls, and other places of amusement. Those orders would not be lifted until four days later on November 15th. The Tribune reported Minneapolis was still experiencing an average of 11 deaths daily that week. Wow. Uh, To the north, the previous month had seen a forest fire that devastated a portion of northeast Minnesota. The war had also brought division centered on the state's sizable number of recent German immigrants. Ooh. 
Then-Governor Joseph Bernquist had removed political leaders from office in the New Ulm area the year before they had spoken at a meeting protesting the military draft. A draft that meant some would have to go overseas to fight against relatives remaining in Germany. I was unaware of all this. 1918 was arguably a word I just hate to use, but it's in here. 1918 was arguably the darkest year of Minnesota history, said Kurt Brown. You know Kurt. Yeah, Matt Grad. A longtime journalist at the Star Tribune who still writes a history column for the newspaper and whose recent book is called Minnesota 1918, When Flu, Fire, and War Ravaged the State. Should have him on. You had a trifecta. The war raging in Europe, the flu pandemic, which killed over 12,000 Minnesotans alone, and some of the deadliest forest fires the state had seen. Uh, But for the moment, though, all that was put aside as citizens swarmed into the streets to celebrate victory in both the Twin Cities and beyond. What the Tribune termed a deafening din of joyousness lasted all day. Automobiles were draped with American flags and bunting. Impromptu parades broke out on the Minneapolis Street Railway Company, reported serving more people than any other single day in history. Paper streamers, scraps of paper, rainbows of confetti made the air... Uh, as noisy to the eye as it was to the ear, the Tribune reported, describing brisk sales of items like talcum powder and toilet paper to be <laughs> tossed in celebration. Oh, okay. Talcum powder? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I understand toilet paper because you get that string effect, the ribbon effect. It must have been one hell of a day, huh? Yeah. They were happy. Boy, the country was right all wrapped into one big ball, weren't they? Yeah. Everybody was together. Now, it's also tomorrow... Uh, an event we've always taken note of over the years, uh, the anniversary of the of the uh, disappearance of Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh, that's right. And I had some really interesting stuff about it. Where, who took it? Uh, that baby, uh, uh, Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, his name always comes up during that November uh, day. But uh, I don't think, he was here a couple months ago, I think. Wasn't he? He tours every year. I... I had a very interesting piece about... It's buried in your stuff there. Uh, I don't like when stuff gets buried like that. That is an eerie tune, though, when you go back and listen to that. Uh, oh, wait. This is a Washington Post editorial. Wait till you hear what that's about. Okay. You've well, I can't find it, damn it. Well, just reserve that thought to come back to. Well, I can't... Uh, makes for bad podcasting to have me try to oh, find okay. something. I like when you have to search for stuff. Well, I, I don't have it. It's at the hovel. Son of a gun. After no, the it's next not break. at the hovel. It's not at the hovel. Oh. I don't think it is. Is uh, there something I can print out for Let me for come you? back. Okay. Joe Souchere here for Federated Insurance. I'm not a math guy, but there's some numbers you need to know. 2,440,000 injured and 35,092 dead on our nation's highways. Those are National Safety Council numbers from 2015. Federated Insurance reminds us that these are much more than statistics. These are family members, friends, and neighbors. Distracted driving continues to be an epidemic, but unfortunately, it's not the only factor. It could happen like this. A driver passes the same vehicle several times with frustration mounting the driver passes the vehicle again but loses control while trying to change lanes the vehicle rolls several times killing the driver two other passengers and injuring three others ask yourself do you get anxious when you drive do you yell or honk at other drivers that make you angry do you retaliate to get even the national safety council reports that aggressive driving plays a role in 56 percent of fatal crashes don't become a statistic at federated mutual insurance company it's their business to protect yours please make it home safely today.
the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Sujovi. I printed the wrong Edmund Fitzgerald story, but that's all right. Well, we can track it down. No, I don't need to. Uh, It was interesting because uh, it was a reflection. Uh, 1975 doesn't seem that long ago, does it? No. But it it had prices of pot roast and what you might have paid for a new AMC Gremlin. And that were very astonishing statistics. (laughs) AMC Gremlin. Right. But on this day, or I'm sorry, it'll be tomorrow in 1975, the Fitz disappeared. And... That has really stayed in the American consciousness, or at least the Minnesota consciousness. Why is that? Why are we so intrigued by that? Because it There's was been other shipwrecks. Because it was such a dark and stormy and tumultuous night, and I, I believe it was warm, uh, a, a warm day in the Twin Cities, and mm. then this hellacious storm came up. And uh, would it be analogous to why we hang on to the '91 blizzard? Yeah, I guess. It was, it was something that the entire country was focused on, and it happened in our own backyard? Yeah, I'm not sure the entire country would share the same uh, nostalgic uh, thinking about the loss of the Edmund Fitz as Minnesotans do or Michigan people do. you got to mm-hmm. be on the Great Lakes, maybe. Okay. Even though we live down here in the Twin Cities, I consider myself living on the Great Lakes. Right. So somebody in Utah— just not going. Other than they know the song, they know the story. They're not going to be intrigued. It, it made it. It made the national news, of course, uh, but not like it did here. They don't uh, not celebrate it. They don't remember it. Nineteen seventy five is how many years ago? Forty three. Wow. And and then Gordon Lightfoot helped too with the song. Right. Right. Legend is such an eerie tune. And well, then Mishki helped by interviewing the guy singing that song. Right. Well, Mishki sang through the whole interview. <laughs> Is it true you wrote this while you were in bed? <laughs> and what were you singing? Who was he interviewing? God, it was the author. Was they, he? What did he play along? The the guy I, he was interviewing? I can't remember. Rick, he was me. the author of a a book about it, and, God, and he was, was doing his last. You know, he was on at night. You know what Terry Train always called it? What? The F. Scott Fitzgerald. That's true. <laughs> God, that was such a brilliant oh. bit. Oh, but I don't. I don't think that was a bit when she said F. Scott Fitzgerald. Oh, I was referencing Mishki. Oh, I'm sorry. Good well, Lord. they both had brilliant. Oh, I bits. love Terry. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. God, that was funny. <laughs> I just think it stays in your memory because. Wait, wait. Welcome, Mister Gumbinger, to our talk show. It's a pleasure to have you on with us. Is this Jordan or Joe? This has interested <laughs> me for many a year. Please, that at last we can discuss this. <laughs> How you doing, Joe? T.D. Mishki, sir. I'm not Joe. I'm Joe. Okay. Got okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we did the whole interview. Uh-huh. He sang it. I think the reason it stays in your memory is because. Even on a bright, sunny day, Lake Michigan is forbidding. I'm sorry, Lake Superior, Superior. is forbidding. Uh, especially going up there and to see. Have you ever been, have you ever seen the lake? Superior? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, we, we used to go up there all the time. To Smell the salt water. Twin, uh, what is it, Two Harbors, Split Rock Lighthouse? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have not seen the other lakes, though. Uh, really? Is Superior just, I mean, just a big body of water. I've seen them all. I've seen oh. them all. But you, it is, you seriously have not seen any of the others except for Superior? I've only seen Superior. Have you been to uh, Detroit? Yes. Well, then you at least flew over Lake Michigan. That doesn't count. No. If you dip your toes in there, okay, that counts. But if you just fly over it, it's like 
saying you uh, uh, you stayed in you know Utah, but you just had a layover at the airport. In fact, I, when I drove to Detroit to attend the Gophers' vaunted uh, oh, okay. uh, bowl game on uh, December twenty seventh, it is cool how you come in over the bridge across the uh, across the lake. There, that's neat. Yes. What are you talking about? Did you come in from Canada? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why? I was uh, I was I was attending a Buffalo Bills football game, and then I came to Detroit. Okay. Because the Grimmer needed a spotter for the uh, the bowl game. I said, "That's right." I said, "Hey, I'm I'm available. I'm coming yeah. back home. Yeah, let's do this." Yeah. That's right. You worked as a spotter. I forgot about that. In front of a raucous crowd of about thirty two hundred people. <laughs> that game. I got an email from a fellow who said we had his father on one year on the radio telling us the story about how he and his wife uh, once took a cruise on the Edmund Fitzgerald. In the summer, that. in the summer it was not unusual for the, you know, the captains of industry to have their f- friends out on the boat and they'd shoot clay targets off oh, the stern cool. and have great dinners and cocktail hours as the, yeah. as the ship plied the calm waters of summer. And, uh, uh, we can't, I can't find the damn uh, tape. I can't find it. I, I wouldn't even know to begin to tell you where to look. Uh, but over the years, we've had some wonderful guests about that. Something in the show notes we may have. Who was the lone survivor we talked to? Uh, Dennis Hale. Dennis Hale. Yeah. That was a really. But he good... didn't survive. Obviously, he did not survive the fits. He survived another uh, disaster. The Daniel Morell. That's right. Daniel Morell, I believe it was. I think Dennis so. Hale, sole survivor, mm-hmm. was the name of the book he wrote. That mm-hmm. came up uh, not that long ago when we were still on on the radio. That they, were they going to revive those trips on the lake? Because we remember we we made fun of you that you really wanted to to venture no, out. There's, Joe. No, there are cruise lines now operating on the lake. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But back in the day, uh, Edmund Fitzgerald, which was the name of the guy who owned the insurance company that uh, that funded the boat, that's why it was named for him, he'd bring his buddies out there in July. Hey, you want to go for a long weekend on the Fitz? That would be cool. Wouldn't that be neat? Oh, yes. man. Yeah. All right, just a moment, please. Just a moment. Cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Sujure. I guess this is a make a move day in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, USA, isn't it? It sure is. Two inches of snow fell, and as Reaver said, people uh, forget uh, how to drive. I, I don't know who it is who forgets, but that's what we like to say in a cliche form, isn't well, it? We're extra cautious, which which is part of it. Which that that's good. That's a good thing. But I just think we just lose. Some of our sensibilities on the road. I continue to believe, or I continue to hold no sympathy for, uh, what's his first name? Jim Acosta? Yes. Yes. Uh, I think he behaves poorly. uh, And I think there's not really any doubt in my mind that he's attempting to become a celebrity. I, I, I like what you said yesterday. You don't be the story. Well, you can't be the story. But you know what? We're seeing, uh, we always, I'm always railing about the failed academy. We're seeing the failed journalism craft. With this particular story, too, what I what I found interesting is what's, what's unfolded after that is almost media on media crime, where people are either coming to his defense or arguing against him, which I, I find laughable. But, but further proof of my... My contention that Acosta uh, is 
is enjoying this and is positioning himself to be constantly at war with Trump is that uh, the president's leaving for Paris and Costa, Acosta, is already there uh, tweeting a picture of himself in front of the Eiffel Tower uh, saying, I'm paraphrasing, saying something to the effect that we're in Paris waiting for the arrival of President Trump as though, you know, stay tuned for chapter two of Plus, my confrontational oh, nature. God, come right. on. Watch what I do here. And he's perfectly quaffed and uh, he's got his funky sunglasses on and uh, it's on his Twitter account. And what's a shame? What's the shame of it, Joe, is guys like him, Jim Acosta I'm talking about, are giving ammunition to those that think the media is the enemy of the people for his behavior. Yeah, I don't think uh, – I would not accuse Acosta of fake news. I've never bought into that term. Right. I've never bought into that term. Uh, what I'm accusing Acosta of is he is he – is, uh, he has lost the boundaries of his profession, and he's expanded his presence into a scenario by which he intends to become the star. And that's then you're not a reporter; you're something else, and you should be credentialed maybe as a television personality if you can get a credential. Would, would that be reasonable? He should be credentialed as a television personality, uh, right? Which is different from a, a a covering member of the press. And the other people in the room also wanted to ask the president questions but he he wow. he was called on by the president to ask a question and he began it as a challenge and then wouldn't stop he three or four follow-up questions well you got a whole room full of people who mm-hmm. now idolize him by the way you got a whole room full of people he's depriving of their opportunity to ask a question true true so as he hogs more and more time from Trump who knows? what the public didn't learn from Trump. Right. Wow. Think of the decades over the years, over the presidents that you've seen, who's the one member of the press that you knew? When Alan they, Thomas. Alan Thomas. Mm-hmm. From what, AP? And UPI. Sam Donaldson. Okay. Alan Thomas was, I think, UPI. And she, but she was always the first one every president called on. Yeah. And that's the, okay, Sam Donaldson, I'll give you that. But basically... Now they're all now they're all celebrated and like you say they're they're featured on CNN and they have their own persona. Well, and and the president, uh, knowingly or unknowingly, he he gave rise to Acosta's fame. Now. Absolutely, he turned Acosta into what what Acosta's lodge brothers and sisters will consider to be martyrdom, and that was his intention. Yeah, and and I, so I know there's a I mean many. Many editorials across the country today are saying, uh, put on your big boy pants, President Trump, and uh, uh, knock off your BS and give Acosta back his badge. Okay, I, I, I think Acosta should get his badge back, but I, I have no sympathy for him having been having his badge taken away, except that it did backfire in the sense that it is now aligned Acosta with the great resistance movement. And it, it, so it, it didn't work out well for anybody. What do you do if you're CNN? Well, you're, you're happy. They're, no, they're they're so uh, uniformly opposed to this presidency that they're not going. You mean mean? Do you mean might they punish Acosta? Yeah, I mean, I mean, oh are God, they... no, no, no. They're patting him on the back, saying, "Here's your airplane He's ticket to Paris. Get yeah. over there before he does." So journalistic integrity out the window. I think in his case, yeah, you don't make yourself the attraction. 
What what did the public gain? What useful knowledge did the public receive from Acosta's confrontational approach? You know what? I don't we even... already know Trump is maniacal and angry and, and uncouth. We already know yeah, that. Right. But that's all Acosta is playing to. I didn't gain any information. And because there is such a thirst for that kind of crap mm-hmm. currently, that's going to be the, I guarantee it'll be the, the highest viewed uh, videos on their website. That's exactly what they're going after. I also, by the way, don't believe Acosta assaulted a, a female intern. Oh, of course not. Oh, when they were wrestling with the mic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that was right. That- I, th- I think the intern, of course, if the, well... The intern was in a situation where she couldn't win. No. Because Trump might have lashed out at her. Go get the microphone. Somebody did on the staff. Hey, come but on. What's worth noting, too, is the the, uh, the statement that they put out there, that Sanders put out there saying, you know, the treatment of women. Come on, please. Yeah. Stop, stop with that nonsense, right. too. And especially from this administration. Right. Especially. Don't from- do us any favors. Yeah. Just yeah. Let's, yeah. let's let her go. I, I don't think it's a move that places the fifth estate in harm's way. Uh, I do think, though, it is indicative of the way reporters have felt freer during the Trump administration to be adversaries rather than conduits for the public. CNN is is laughably one-sided. There Again, I said yesterday, CNN is a very useful place to go when there's a major forest fire or unfortunately a shooting because they have the staff and they have the cameras and you can see for yourself. Or the kid flying away in the balloon many years ago. which turned out to be fake, right? Right, right. But they're a lousy place to go if you're trying to get news about the presidential administration. They don't really understand that their behavior is in part one of the reasons Trump got elected. Remember the old saying we had a year ago? And that's why Trump got elected. <laughs> yes. And, the, and uh, the likes of Acosta keep this up, that's why Trump gets elected. I have no sympathy for Acosta, and I have no fear that that a craft uh, that I cherish and have practiced for 40 or more years is in danger because that buffoon lost his press credential. Mm. And I, I regret that he did because that's now what's making him into the celebrity. He was well on his way to his celebrity status, but now he's just he's just reaching an elevated position with his peers. Oh, Jim. Will it? Well, oh, can, Jim. Looking to the future, will there be others that try to mimic this, and will it be a badge of honor if you are uh, losing your press credential, or are people going to get smarter and say, "I still have to cover this guy. I don't want to. I don't want to blow this." Well, it depends how professional they want to be. Acosta, mm-hmm. to me, has abandoned his professional <clears throat> standards. Mm-hmm. And wants to be a reality show. Again, credential him as a TV personality. And then then you can expect if he ever gets called on, you're going to get five minutes of theater. But you're not going to get any information. Right. I'm hoping that others don't. You know, Nixon had his enemies list, and the old line was, you really regret it if you weren't on it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, uh, it was like trading with, uh, who was the guy? Bernie Madoff. Yeah. Yeah, Sid was angry that Bernie never called him. <laughs> That's a true story. How come that guy never asked me to invest? <laughs> Sid, you would have lost your money. 
when should someone lose their press credential at the White House? Uh, well, what we learned yesterday during John Hyde's newscast right. is that it's only happened apparently once, and that was for security reasons because a reporter was caught going through drawers of some official. Uh, well, that's out of bounds. Lose your, you lose your credential. Uh, this is a tough one because on the one hand, I don't think a president can yank the credential of a reporter merely because the reporter is contentious. On the other hand, see, I have no, this is a tough place for me to be. On the other hand, I think this is a, I think this is a unique case in that it strikes me that Acosta is attempting to turn to turn this chapter in his life into a new boost of his career, mm-hmm. and not to I'm mention in Europe and stand to profit from it significantly. Yeah. yeah, and 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 again, I might not have brought Acosta up again today, but the president and the first lady are on the way to Paris to commemorate the 100 years of the armistice and visit the graves and the whole deal. Uh, and then, but also what pops up on various news sites is Acosta's mug on his Twitter account saying, here I am, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm you know, come on. It's, does that leave any doubt in your mind? It you know doesn't what? pass me, the smell test. Let me do something here. Let's just see, I'm gonna pull it And up. then the responses, see, I couldn't print it. You wanted to print the photo? I wanted to print the, here's what Acosta did. Oh dear God. What? It was posted two hours ago. Mm-hmm. 26,000 people have liked this photo. Right. Oh. And, but read read some of the comments. Oh, I okay. Let me do that. Let me pull it up. See, I couldn't print this for some reason. Not that I wanted to print 26,000 comments. <laughs> Keep doing you, Acosta America. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh my no, God. but there's one about the Eiffel Tower. Um, the, in other words, the comments to Acosta's photograph of himself pictured in front of the Eiffel All Tower. Right here. Greetings from Paris where we are on the ground for Trump's trip to France. Right. And then what follows are tweets that are completely on Acosta's side and ridiculing Trump. Well, Which not is fine. I don't care, by the way. It's basically now turned into anyone that shows support for Jim then is immediately met with criticism. So now these people are just going back and forth okay. fighting with one another. Which is why I stay off Twitter. Oh, my God. With the exception of the... Tweet a day for Garage Logic. I was saying. Did you do yesterday's, by the way? Yes. Yes. In I fact, um, I'm sorry, Rook. That's okay. In fact, because it included Colorado State University, um, we did get a couple of mentions oh. in the school's Twitter account. Okay. I always do what would Patrick tweet? You know, <laughs> what? <laughs> w. Mark my words, by the way. Mark my words. Uh, if. Uh, Mary Devine of the Pioneer Press was in the Washington Press Corps Mm -hmm. and stood up and said, uh, Mr. President, I'd like to ask you about the the caravan drawing closer to the American border. And he said, and if he said, I don't like that, pull her credential, I would be outraged. Okay. I would be outraged. I want people to understand, I see a real clear distinction in, in... in Acosta's behavior and the behavior uh, pretty much of the other ones, of the other journalists. Does, have I made that clear? I think you made that clear. Because I know it's dangerous to say uh, it's no big deal that Trump pulled a press credential. It is a big deal. It, 
in every case except this one. And then people will say, well, you're certainly going down a slippery slope there. Well, you do your own homework then, people, and you look at Acosta, the way he's positioning himself now, waiting uh, with, with the backdrop of the Eiffel Tower saying, here we are, waiting for uh, President Trump's arrival in Paris. Mm-hmm. Okay. What uh, journalist would do that? Uh, true? Well, no. well, I guess I'm going to answer my own question. I guess those who have Twitter accounts. And, and what are they trying to do there? Draw more people into not the news of the day, but uh, here's what here's here's me, here's my personality. But that, what's so disheartening is that's how a lot of people, sadly, Joe, view journalism in 2018. Well, not I, I, not no. anybody on this show. I understand. I but understand. that's just that's so. I understand. But until I. Until I receive information that might cause me to have some sort of conversion, mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to believe that this is a very unique case pitting two egomaniacs against each other, one of whom, representing the press, should have backed down. But he's really seizing this to pump up his own career. He is, and there is some pushback, some Garage Logic pushback on he, the comments page of his Twitter account. It's not all, hey, you're great. Right. He is getting some yep. uh, go away and don't come back. Good, and, good. Um, so that's good. Maybe it's a little. Um, all right. All right. We can we can wrap it up. All right. Wrap her up here on a snow day. Oh, we're not done yet. Nope. Coming back for more. So a lot of more stuff here. I know you're not going anywhere, but don't go. <laughs> don't quit saying <laughs> no. that. It's a podcast. Keep listening. Keep on trucking, chucking. Yeah, bros. GarageLogic.com. Little drop down in the features. Click on the GL Comics page to see the latest from Mr. Greg Holcomb. And check out what Joe's reading in the author's corner drop down as well. Check it all out. More Garage Logic podcast coming your way on your next click.